Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Well... Hey, love, what's the story? Ah, there you are now. What's the crack? Tell me this and tell me no more. Oh, stop waiting, I tell you. I have a bone to pick with you. I'm doing a line with her. Relax the cocks. Come back with a like. It's ballsy. We ever give Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tis Yourself with myself, Nicola Barden. If you're listening to this on the day it's released, happy bank holiday Saturday or Jubilee Saturday or whatever it is in the UK. Here in Ireland, it's a sunny bank holiday Saturday and I hope you've got loads of plans or no plans, whichever suits you. Just lying about, enjoying the sunshine, catching up with people, whatever it is. Me, myself, I have to give a shout out to my friends Kerry and Tom who get married today and we're all down in Galway to celebrate their wedding. So it's very exciting. Uh, As I record this, it's Friday evening and my bag is staring at me going, pack me. You've took the bag out on Tuesday and you still haven't put anything in it. So So congratulations, Kerry and Tom. I'm so excited to celebrate with you and I cannot wait to see how gorgeous you both look. I'm sure you're both going to be beautiful right faces and I can't wait to get down and celebrate with you all. So you're probably not going to be listening to this, Kerry or Tom, until about 2027. And at that stage, you're kind of like, I'm sick of death of the, this one across me. I'll throw an old podcast and they'll be like, oh, Jesus, there's Nick and Payne tribute. <laughs> but um, so I just want to say and to congratulations to Kerry and Tom. Now, today's episode, let's talk about it. So. I didn't have an episode last weekend. The one before that, we had Chloe Singleton, who plays for Galway United, and she's from the uh, hoping to make the women's national team. For that, Jer Reedy from Hell Week, and I hope you enjoyed the final of Hell Week, which was on a couple of days ago. And all the people, obviously, who made it to the end, congratulations! I would have been gone on day one. Yeah, not even, wouldn't even made it to the barracks. So fair play to you all, and that's fantastic. Now, my my guest today is someone I think, I think, her followers can definitely get her into the top 10. You know, Jerry Reedy's set was unprecedented. We hadn't seen anything like that since Jonathan Jolie. And even with Jonathan, it was like over a few days with Jerry, he was like zoomed all up there into the second position. Like he's just, he's sitting up there, you know, the prince ahead of, you know, the king and he's he's ready to come for that title. Well, my guest today, I believe she is a contender for the title for the most listened to episode. So if you are a fan of hers and you know other fans, How'd the woman get there? She is the fabulous Trisha Lewis, who you may know as Trisha's Transformation. Nearly 300,000 followers who follow her on her journey, on her weight loss journey, which she's been running since 2018. You know, she is a former chef, so she used to be cooking up a storm. You could have been in her restaurants in Cork. And she is also now going to be at Taste of Dublin which is taking place now the 16th of June over that whole weekend. So anyone like me who just loves to just stuff their face and be outside in the sunshine while doing it in a really nice setting, that is for you. Obviously, if you want to go to Taste Dublin, you can get tickets on tastedublin.ie. They all sell really quickly. So 
you know, go and do that as soon as you listen to this episode. So Trisha is going to be there and myself and her caught up earlier this week on Zoom. And we had great L crack and she told me all about how she got into chefing and the good and bad sides of the industry, how it led her to her transformation journey and what it what how did they go side and side beside each other? And of course, then we talked about the journey of the of her weight loss journey and where she is now as a entrepreneur, as a sole trader, as out there on her own, as an influencer, the whole lot. This is um, probably the second time maybe I've chatted to Trisha and I love chatting to her because I always come away really positive. I feel she's really motivational. She's always positive. She kind of just gives you a kick up the arse and you kind of walk away thinking, yeah, I, I can do it. So I really hope you enjoy it. And as I said, if you like it, please share it. Please comment on the Instagram. Please give us a like uh, or a subscribe or whatever on uh, Spotify and iTunes, wherever you listen. Anyway, enough of me waffling on. Here is my chat with Trisha and I hope you enjoy. Hello. Hello. How are you getting on? Good woman yourself. Well, look, we I always kind of start by taking people back to, I suppose, when they're younger and that like w- when you were little, what did you want to what was your goal in life? What did you want to be growing up? So when I was younger and I suppose I always wanted there's a couple of things I wanted to do. One was be a primary school teacher. And then for a while I was to be a lawyer. And then I suppose from the age of 12, 11, I kind of knew I wanted to be a chef. So it was from that, from a young age, I knew cooking was always going to be a huge part of my life. And where did the cooking come in? Was it something like your mom did? Was it something that, you know, sisters did? Where did the kind of love for it come from? I think it's a mixture of it all. So mom would be an excellent cook. Um, and I think because having eight sisters, there's nearly always someone hungry at home. So from a very young age, if you could read, you could read a recipe or you could read the back of the lasagna packet and be like, listen, try the dinner there. You're home from school first. So from a young age, mom would have taught us all that skill fairly quickly. And I think it's like I have another sister's a chef, another sister wants her own baking business. And there isn't any one of us that is bad at cooking. Everybody's really, really good. So it's from you. I think it was definitely instilled from mom. Do you know? That is mad. Eight. I have three sisters and I that was chaos growing up. So I can't imagine what it was like at your house. It was busy. It was busy. But look, it, it, I suppose it taught you resilience and it taught you good comebacks fairly <laughs> fast. Yeah, it taught you to be able to put up with anything because no fights are worse than sister fights. Oh, but then there are the ones that can you get over so much quicker that you're like, 10 minutes later, you're like, oh, crap, I need to tell her something. And then you're like, <laughs> OK, can we put that aside? Because something funny just happened. Um, so it's one of those ones. I think there's never any, thankfully on our side, there's no malicious like there's nothing we can never solve it's usually over something so materialistic and silly or mm. you know you looked at someone wrong when we were on a bad old day you know that you know I suppose hormones were were wild there for a few years oh yeah like I think of things that my sisters would have said to me that if any other person had said to me you would never speak to them again <laughs> you're like I hate you whereas your sister yeah like you say you've had a big fight and then five minutes later you're like mom is wrecking me head <laughs> yeah you're like who can I give out about now <laughs> So the love for food, then I suppose that was something it's great to have that passion quite early. And you obviously had it in your head that you were like, this is this is what I want to do. And you like, how did that start into becoming into a career as you were growing older? Um, so kind of started with some when we were younger, we all got like part time jobs in the summer, like most things. And you think you'd work part time like on a Saturday. And I have been working in my local spare. 
loved it. Um, but I was kind of being a bit bolder. Like I was like more hanging out with my friends. And I think my sisters were like, oh, like she's going to, she's going to be up to no good or, you know, so they, they forced my hand and got me a job as uh, on a washing. So I was a kitchen porter in a restaurant that they were all working in. So one sister was chefing and two were out on the floor waitressing. So they got me a job um, in the washing area and I was fuming <laughs> I was like this is how I hang out with my friends there's a really harsh kind of dangerous boy who works at the butcher counter I was like oh but I think about it now and I remember saying I was like right I'll do it but I'm going to like actively leave this place I don't want to be here and I remember the head chef had talked to me and he was chatting away and he actually became the chef that trained me and showed me the ropes from a very young age and he was like look what's the story with you are you going to be a chef like your sister and I remember being like so just a little petty child. I was like, excuse me. I was like, I'm actually going to be finishing up here like next week and I'm never going to be a chef because you're all actually crazy. And he was like, <laughs> okay, what's going on? So he's like, just get me the pots. So then what actually happened was I ended up staying because I suppose I, I thought I was this brave ass young one. Like I was afraid of authority as well. I was like, if I leave, mom is going to kick my ass. Like, So I it was like summer and whatever. There was a lull between lunch and dinner. So I had all the washing done and like we were chatting away and he was like, will you go down the back and um, cut some cress? So it's watercress and I came in little plants. So I cut it, I was that done. He's like, can you do the strawberries? Will you do a fresh fruit salad? Eventually in the three hours of a gap, I had gotten so much work done. And I remember just saying to him, I was like, do you mind if I stay back here? And he was like, 100%. He was like, your work, that, your work ethic is there. And at this stage, I was only about 14. So I was very, wow. very young. And I ended up staying there for the guts of six years and very quickly had my own section and, you know, it worked every single weekend. And it was actually such a blessing in disguise because I would be very influenced by other people. And while my friends might have been out underage drinking, I was like, gotta go with 280 bucks. And they're like, what? You big weirdo. Like, and I'm like, can't go to the well with you today. And that's where it started. So my love for cooking was literally that day that Rob told me to go down the back of the kitchen and cut watercress. I was like, Oh my God, I love the system. And it was a skill that I suppose I honed in on and realised that I was good at. And I had a good temperament for it. Yeah, because I was going to say, I worked in the kitchen before in an Italian restaurant, washing the dishes. That was my whole job, same as yourself. And it really kind of, when you look back, like now, I was just a teenager who just wanted to make money and... And also I got loads of food. So they used to give me all the food, like the, the pans, and I would dip the ciabatta bread into it. And I'm like, oh, this is delicious. Um, but it does teach you a lot. Instagram page called Trisha's Transformation. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it does teach you a lot, though, because you're like in this, what would consider a shitty job by your friends who are working in like sports shops or anything like that. But like you learn a lot on the spot. Huge amount. You learn how to deal with people. You learn how to deal with pressure. You learn how to deal with like organization, work ethic. And, you know, like it's, I think it's one of those jobs. It's incredibly difficult. Like, and, mm. you know, while your friends were in sports shops or delis or XYZ in your grade school with like burns on your hands and you're like, yeah. you know, E45 team in the middle <laughs> of geography and you're like, oh, I hope this doesn't scare. It was, it was a wonderful way to start off learning kind of because I feel like no other job was ever as challenging as learning the ropes of a kitchen yeah and it sounds to you then as you grew ahead in your career you could still remember being that person doing the dishes so when you have your own kitchen you're looking down you're like I know what that was like I know what it was like to start out the, the learning so it's not you're coming in newly qualified chef I know everything but I've never gone up the ropes 
No, and like it, even a simple thing, and I it was always kind of said to me is that I would rarely burn pots because I know what it was like to scrub them. So I remember like, and a lot of times chefs wouldn't care and they'd be like, just throw it over to the KPs. And I'm like, yeah, those KPs are my friends and they're lovely. And like, I think the hardest job in any kitchen, in any restaurant is the kitchen porter. It is. And that's something I kind of figured out fairly quickly. Like a lot of times you might see that, you know, is it one of the worst jobs in a restaurant? But from running a restaurant for years myself, it is the most important job. If you don't have a good system running the kitchen porter area, you might as well not put a menu out because they are the backbone of any restaurant. Oh, completely. If they don't haven't, haven't got the, the dishes washed, they haven't got the pans washed, they haven't got everything dried ready for next customer like you, everyone's waiting. So like if they haven't yeah. got, if you give them shit they're gonna, and they walk out, you're fed. 100%. And I remember that as slowly as I kind of, you know, we had a lot of um, kitchen porters. A lot of the kitchen porters I had were male and they were just brilliant. But they, a lot of them were not Irish. So when when I would get chatting to them, they'd be like, listen, we did this degree with this degree. This. And eventually, like, you know, I think when you started, what I found was so beneficial. I think anyone who's listening now, if you do have kitchen porters, is let them chef with you. So once, once, so I had five kitchen porters and five days a week one would do a chef. So one would come along, help the prep station. And the more valued you treat your people who work with you, the more work you actually get done. And I find that irrelevant to plates, as long as they were happy, they were looked after and they weren't treated, you know, differently. Because I've worked in restaurants where I have seen that and it always made me feel so uncomfortable. So like, you know, my Fernando is now chefing and like a few of them went on and they're went down and got their qualifications and like one of them was working in Fota in a five-star hotel and I'm like so proud I'm like one Bruno you know? oh that's so cute I love seeing success stories like that who start out like literally at the bottom and then are doing amazing yeah so you went out you obviously learned it and then you started how did you get into like your own kitchen then so I then went to college so I studied professional cookery for two years in CIT so the it was absolutely an amazing course it was short it was fast-paced um but I felt like from doing it like I had five or six years under my belt by the time I did that in the kitchens and I was like are we still doing stock soups and sauces in month one I'm like can we just get this on we gotta you know so I felt that I was like you know it, it didn't teach me what the industry would teach you because there's nothing that will teach you other than a live service when mm-hmm. things go wrong that's how you learn and so I went to CIT, I studied there for two years, but in the summer of first year, we had to do work placement. So to do your work placement, you had to qualify, um, your, you'd go out into the industry and basically your mentor, who's your executive head chef, would sign off on it and then the college would put that towards your final grade. So I had to choose a restaurant and I was going to go for a restaurant at home. And then I was like, you know, when I figured out the rent during the summer would be gone down because obviously it was in a college area I was living in, mm. it would be just like ideal. So I chose a restaurant in Cork City called Jacobs on the Man. And I randomly came from a bit. So my one of my lecturers, she was an incredible woman, Jillian Quinlan. Um, she was just amazing, great crack and very... You know, she'd worked in the industry. So she was like, listen, you don't have a workplace in Sarchage. And I was like, don't worry about it. I was like, I have it completely under my belt because organization isn't one of my skills. <laughs> when it comes to shipping it is, but with real life and paperwork, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm so flooded. This is not creative. This is not a Bernier sauce. And I remember I just said, right, so tell me your favorite restaurant in the whole city and I'll get it there. And she said, you're not going to get it because you don't take students. She said, it's Jacob's on a man. 
So I was like, right, well, let's put 20 euros on it. So we put 20 euros on it. And uh, I handed my CV into Jacobs. I got the bus into town with my friend Dermot. Um, he was doing Sheffield as well. We still laughed about it to stay. And he was like, Lewis, are you really going into Jacobs on the Mall where a class of 2007 OD? I was like, yeah, I'm cold. Um, and I remember I went in and I handed my CV in and a woman accepted it, who actually turned out to be one of my best friends in the end. And they never contacted me back. And I was like, what? And I was like, I had this bet on. So I rang a couple of times and I rang a couple of times and eventually I got through to the kitchen. And the head chef, Marcy Fenton, huge. She's a really, really well-known chef. And she was like, oh my God, are you the girl that keeps ringing? And I was like, yeah. I was like, look, I'm just wondering, have you seen my CV? And now when I see how busy kitchens are, I'm like, oh, annoying. Must I be? And she was like, listen, she was like, we don't take students, but you're one of the most determined people I've ever come across. She said, come in to me on Wednesday, we'll have a chat. So I did on Wednesday. And she said, look, I don't take on students. I don't have time. This is the restaurant. You know, we're busy and it's fast-paced. And I was like, look, I promise you I have the speed and all this. And started, I did the three months. And I remember I came to like August. And on the Saturday night before I went back to college, we were all at the back. It was when I was smoking. And I just had a crying. And I was like, it was just such a lovely experience. Mm-hmm. And they were like, why are you crying? I was like, sure, I'm finished tonight. Never even thought of it. They're like, absolutely not, you're not. You're going to stay with us and... From through the jigs and the reels, 13 years later, I finished up as the executive head chef and it was all from there. So I got the training from Robin Hunter's Rest and then went straight into Jacobs and a Man. And what they didn't teach me, like it was, a, she was a genius. And anyone, Eddie, John, all, like they were all incredible. Um, so that's where I suppose he went from college. That's where it's so weird how it works out. The woman who took my CV is actually Michelle. She owns it, and I was in Lens Rashi with her in January. It was just, she was like, Yeah, we heard, like, we kind of called you the stalker girl. I was like, really embarrassing. I was like, Can we go for a drink after work? This is really embarrassing. I need to redeem myself. And then eventually I went back into Julian Greenland, and I was like, There you go. And she was like, Awesome. Yeah, like, give me my 20 euro right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I was like, Probably, like, can you pass me? <laughs> so, where did, in your journey, I suppose, in the kitchen, where did the Trisha's transformation start? Were you finished in the kitchen, or when did that kind of come about? No. So Trisha Transformation is my Instagram page where I set about just documenting a weight loss journey. So I suppose with all the good, you need to kind of highlight that sometimes in a career, there can be a little bit of negatives. And I find that with chefing, it becomes the norm not to eat three meals in a day, to work, 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 and then eat after everybody has been fed or to have your breakfast and then that night go and get something in the chipper. Because you're kind of, you're really sick of looking at what you're cooking all day. Like, you know, yeah. people go to a restaurant and be like, oh my God, how does one choose? Like, they've got turbot, they've got rack of lamb, they've got venison, they've got duck. And when you're in the kitchen, you're nearly blind, but you're like, oh, yeah. this magnificent dish. I don't care at all. You just... You know, you're really kind of like dumb from it. Um, and I found that over the years, I was always kind of gaining weight and gain, losing weight and gaining weight and losing weight. And it was always kind of all or nothing. And I found the lifestyle that I was leading was really, really difficult to maintain a healthy lifestyle. Like, you know, when you finish work on a Tuesday, like if someone finished work on a Tuesday, they're not going to go for a rake of pints. Generally, you'll be like, oh, sure, I'm working on Wednesday. But when you're in the industry, as you get older, Everybody coming in as the younger age stays the same. You know, all your waitresses are kind of 19 to 23. And, you know, so you never really grow up in a kitchen, I find. So you'd be going out and you'd be like, sure, I'm not working till three on a Wednesday. So eventually the kind of lifestyle really kind of caught up with me. And in 2018, I started off on a weight loss journey. And I remember like telling everybody, like, when I ran the kitchen, 
um, I ran it with a team that, you know, there was no hierarchies. There was no, like, obviously, when I had to be the boss, well, I was there for that. Mm. But I always made sure that, like, we got on because you spend so much time with these people. There's no point being like, well, I'm your boss and you are doing. I never agreed with that. And I, I just much for having crap. I always got much more work out of people. And I remember setting up the Instagram page. So for a good two years, I was running Jacobs and the Mall while also on my weight loss journey that I'm on now. So slowly but surely, the following started growing and growing and growing and growing. And like, eventually it was at the stage where it was like, they came in and was like, table three, table seven, table nine, table 31, they're all transformers. Can you get out and say hello to them? So I was delighted that I'd be like, mm. spritzing on the perfume and be like, hello, my transformers. So it was kind of, one was kind of tearing off as much as the other. And then when Leo Bradker said, listen, we're going to close for the two weeks and flatten the curve. And I remember that was the Saturday night. And ironically, it was my 13th and a year anniversary that day mm. on the 15th of March. Locked up Jacobs. And I remember I was crying and I was like, I feel like this is the end. And I remember Tom said, stop it, you're frightening me. And I was like, no, not about the COVID thing. I think that I'm finishing. And it was just this weird feeling that came over me that I was never going to do it again. So the two weeks turned into six or seven months. I remember I really struggled the first two, three months because you like when you when you work so closely with people and you rely on a brigade, like you really rely on each other to make sure that your job goes smoothly, that you know, if somebody's not pulling their weight in the fish section, it's gonna affect the pass, it's gonna affect starters, if desserts are delayed, customers so everybody works in such a close-knit environment that you trust each other. That when I'd lost them, it was awful and we were all kind of struggling. It was like what am I doing having a bottle of wine on a Saturday at six o'clock? This is not the life I know. So then um, when it came time to come back, in the middle of it all, Jacob's had a renovation and we were in touch. And eventually when it came to coming back, I just knew my heart wasn't in there anymore. And I knew that I was never going to work in a place that I wasn't going to give my all. And I remember sitting down with Michelle and she was like, Trisha, we knew this was coming with about a year, but we we, we were not going to say it to you because we didn't want to push you. But she was like, there was a new life there for you and, and maybe a life that doesn't involve being in the kitchen. And, and that was the hardest part was the McCarthy family were like, we're so proud of you. You do what you have to do. And I was like, oh, will you just point the door? But they were like, you need to do what's better for yourself. We're not going to make that decision. So I said I was going to finish up. And I, I cried for about... I cried for about a week, like, and every time I had to ring someone, like, I remember talking to Jacinta, who was my fish chef, and she was, like, crying as well. It was just, it was so hard, and but it was one of the best things I ever did, and I think that when you have something you miss so much, it's not, that's not a negative. It's actually, you should count your blessings. So in the middle of lockdown, I made a decision that I was going to see, could I make a little, you know, could I do something for myself? At this stage, I had a best-selling Irish book, and I said I was going to write a second one, um, that went into the bestseller chart again and I decided to become a brand ambassador with Eldie and the reason it was so special for me is because day one of my journey I went to the gym and the next protocol was Eldie and it was a huge part of my journey because as a chef you're not going to cook with crap ingredients at home and I just knew that mm. I loved it like I loved the value I loved the food I loved everything so started off with that and and here I am now like it's a year and a half later and becoming a sole trader was one of the scariest, but probably one of the best decisions. But I also made sure that I was okay, that I could pay my bills. Um, because I think that sometimes you can be like live, laugh, love, and you know, you know, go, you know, like you'd mentioned the diary of a CEO, it's all amazing. 
But if I'm going to do make a leap that's going to affect my my life, well, I can't do that. But I made sure that I had the proper structure in place. And I think I always said I'm going to fall back on chefing if it goes wrong. And I listened to podcasts and they're like, stop saying fall back. Because if you think about falling backwards, you're going to bang your head off something. You're going to get concussion. You're going to pass out. It said fall forward. That if, if this doesn't work out in my life, well, then I know the next steps. I know that I'm well able to cook. I'm well able to organize a business. Um, and I'm well able to, you know, do what I do and do it best. So that's where I am. So that's from Jacobs to here. And to, to, it's just been it's just been weird. I feel like there's different parts of my life that I'm like, oh, that happened badly there. And now it's better here. <laughs> Everything comes full circle. I, like I suppose before you started the weight loss journey that you're on now had you tried other things before that before you got launched the Instagram and the transformation had you tried stuff before yeah or, yeah? yeah I tried I tried like loads of different things and and I think that a lot of times people are like oh do you think that's because that place is a bad place or this the truth is every single plan diet plan organization they all work but what I was not focusing on was what was above my eyebrows. You know, I was focusing on what I looked like aesthetically, what I, you know, would one day I would be happy when I'm X stone or X size. And I'd never really focus on the mindset and the mental health side of things. And, you know, now I really, really honestly, you know, my journey is so successful because I know that I'm doing things to make me happy and not what society is deemed as perfection. So once I wake up in the morning and I know that I'm going to do my best for my mental health, my physical health, my aesthetic wise, all of it marries together eventually. So I booked a gastric bypass, I cancelled it. I had ordered diet pills online. I'd like from a very young age, I was trying to do, and I hate saying the word quick fixes because they're not. And I hate that anyone's like, oh, it's the easier way out and stuff. Absolutely not. If you sit in the mindset of where the person is at when they're ordering diet pills from America because you Googled it and found it. Like that's a that's an incredibly hard journey. Mm-hmm. And I suppose that's what I'm trying to get across is, you know, it's not you that fails, but it's it's the whole thing around you. It might be, it might have been what you were focusing on. And it might have been that, you know, I always believed I was going to be the chain smoking, overweight chef that looked after everybody else but not myself and the truth is you have the you have the right to change who you think you should be mm. you know and that's what I've done so I give myself the permission to be the person that you wait to have six that likes taking our vitamins that likes eating three meals that likes going for walks that likes the gym and that doesn't smoke and that looks after herself and sees my health as something cool as opposed to being this is something other people look after so then 2018 hit, and I suppose I did start the journey as aesthetics and numbers and scales. And and eventually that becomes so exhausting. It becomes so exhausting, but all you're like, oh, I just want to be happy. How do I, how can I just be happy? And well, I figured out that when I use my tools and my boundaries and look after my mind, that everything benefits, career, health, happiness, family, friends, everyone. Mm. I like, I admire you so much because I think putting yourself out there on an Instagram account must be the scariest thing to start off because you're being publicly held accountable. Even if it's only 200 people that follow you, you're saying, hey, guys, I'm going to lose weight. And as you said, at the start, it was all scales and numbers and stuff like that. I wasn't focused on the mental side of things. I'd be like if one I'm the sort of person that I can remember something that somebody has said to me when I was six or 16. That's a negative comment. I won't remember if you tell me you looked stunning in that picture. Blah blah. I won't remember that. But if you said come here, that dress doesn't suit you or you look a bit, you know, your arse looks a bit big. I'll remember that till my death, you know, that kind of way. So I imagine 
starting out an account like that is scary. It is. And I find that over the last few years, I've had to learn as I go. And it's kind of like, I suppose, going back to all those years ago, Sheffield and, you know, I was very young and you learn from your mistakes and stuff like that. And it's something that I suppose, you know, as the bigger the account gets, the more grateful I am and the more wonderful people come along. But there is also that group of people that, you know, will never understand the weight loss journey will say, you know, you don't have the right to have books if you still have weight. When all along, I just can say it's a journey. It's a transformation. Mm. It was never Trisha's, you know, going to lose this amount of weight in one year. I have no idea. Like at the end of the day, I know that I'll probably battle this for the rest of my life. I might as well enjoy it. And what I've learned along the way is I'm not going to take criticism from someone I don't respect. And if anybody is coming at somebody that in a harsh way about weight or that they don't know when it's not their place, well, then I don't respect that. You know, I wouldn't randomly go up to you, Nicola, and be like, you know, I don't like the clothes or style you wear. Tell me, to be honest, in today, Nicola, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> wear what you want. I actually don't have enough time to worry about what you're wearing or if you yeah. have on or if your heels are three inches or five inches. I genuinely don't care. I don't care what size knickers you wear. I don't care. I don't care if they were bigger last year, smaller last year. And I think that that's, they're the type of people that I have attracted to the page that feel the same as that, that they're tired of always being under this microscope of judgment and of being like, oh, you lose weight, you're successful, you gain weight. God love you, what happened? And I always think that, you know, my weight gain is a symptom of something else. It's not the cause. It's a symptom. And I think that when I realized that the issue was never the issue for me, I always thought, you know, if I lose this weight, I'll be happy. No, no, no. You have to go back further than that. You have mm. to figure out. And, and often you hear the phrase, it's only a calorie deficit. And I do, I actually completely scientifically agree with that. Yes, calories in versus calories out will lose weight. But for me, I find that there's a more, there's trauma, there's history, there's memories, there's past, there's, there's things that I need to battle myself. And that's why, you know, when people will go online and they might say, what What did you eat today? I'll kind of copy that. The truth is you can never, ever copy someone else's journey. You can never follow someone's diet plan. It's like you have to take snippets from each thing and then adapt it into your own recipe and go, this is what works for me. And because what, what seven-year-old Trisha versus seven-year-old Nicola are two different people. Mm. And, you know, it's what we've learned and then all this kind of stuff. But saying that, I'm not saying like, oh, it's, it's more than just a calorie difference. But for me, I just know that Sometimes I'm frying it and that's great in the calorie deficit. And then I might self-sabotage and I'm like, oh my God, that was the wrong pool from underneath me. But I know that it's probably your inner child acting out, not your present adult. So I need to work on all of that and realize that, you know, when it comes to weight, and I only learned this recently, there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of embarrassment. There's a lot of, oh God, I have two years off after COVID now and I have to go back into the office and, you know, I've been to Marks and Spencer's and get a bigger pair of tights and, and we're all this barring anxiety in the future. And, you know, when, when you realise that shame is the exact same feeling as physical pain, it's the exact, it hurts. It really does. You might go easier in yourself because however much you're feeling that, Mary, John, Joe, whatever in the office, probably feel the same. And I think if we just in a world where we didn't look at what people look, look like, you know, and worried about, you know, is your hair combed? Like, is your mental health a little bit suffering? They're the things that I look at now that, and I always look at, I never really, I've always been able to, like, I don't care. Like, like I think with Instagram, it can be very, you see these perfect lives and comparison is a thief of joy. But just remember behind every one of those 
perfect lives are filtered. There could be someone struggling as well. So I think everybody needs to give everybody a chance, whether you're a supermodel um, out in like New York one way or you're myself living on a farm, happy out there. Stop looking at other people and saying they have it on because you have no idea. Just focus on yourself. Just say, how can I get what I perceive as the all? And for me, my all is being happy, being healthy, having my friends and family and everything else bonus. I know. And it's an, it, to get to that point is an amazing thing. Like to learn happiness like that, it's a rocky road to get to where you are. You know what I mean? And I'm sure you, as you said, you have stumbled along the way. Like, you know, we're women. We have periods. So, you know, we're going to get different cravings on those days. I, I might eat six galaxies and I won't care because it makes me feel better. And, you know, and then there's emotions obviously are very much tied in with food, what we eat, what we, it, how it goes along with our emotions. But to get to that point, you must be very proud of yourself because like there are, Women in their 90s are still not happy with how they look. There's women who still don't know what happiness. They're still tying it to appearance, you know, yeah. 60, 70, 80. And that's so hard. I think that that's like I'm 34. I think that's the environment and the genre I grew up in where it was like, you know, where it was OK. Like when you pick up magazines and it was like, you know, this one's eight stone, 10 pounds. This one's 12 stone, three pounds. This is six pounds. And you're kind of looking and going, oh, that's my weight. I must look like that. And you're not taking anything else into account only size size mm. and it's so exhausting like when you think about it like your best nights out they haven't been on about what's like the scale say it's been sitting down connecting with people and having the absolute crack so I think that yes do I absolutely love who I am right now yes but do I still struggle 100% do I still have days where I have imposter syndrome and I have to go to an event and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, am I not going to be what people want me to be? And mm-hmm. But I'm always focusing on the wrong thing. No one cares. And anyone who does care, like they need to get more hobbies. And, you know, it's just, you know, I think that when when we look at ourselves, like when I, when let's say, it's not about adding years to the end of my life. I need to enjoy the years I have right now. I'll never be as young as I am at this right second. And I want to look back and go, I treat myself with the respect that that 33-year-old Trish deserved. There was mishaps, but that's all part of the journey. And, you know, when we look at our loved ones, we never ever remember what they look like. We remember how they make us feel. Yeah. And I hope that I make people feel as good as people make me feel. And if people make me feel bad about myself, well, then sadly it's on them, but I need to process it as well myself. Because I'm still that, like, I think that sometimes you forget with an Instagram page, you're like, oh my gosh, you have 220,000 followers. Like, you, you know it, you've got it. We look at numbers in a way that you feel that they have more knowledge and more, you know, wisdom than anyone else. Absolutely not. Because still the word fat would floor me like, a, like I did when I was eight years of age. You know, so it's all about not pushing too much um, value on numbers, whether it's scales or Instagram pages or mm. following or likes in a photo. It's about what value you feel when you look in that mirror, you go, you know what, I'm actually happy with you. I do like you. I respect you. And everybody else should do the same thing. Because the more we tell ourselves the positive things, that's what we believe. And I think that us as Irish, like, where do you have all oh, that's only pennies? Oh, don't give me a compliment. Just yeah. be like, you know, thank you for my top. I got in pennies. I really appreciate that compliment. But it's so hard to do because we're put across as cocky or vain. But yeah. it's all about, it's self-love. Let's just, you know, at the end of the day, like, look at our, like, Every one of us, if we didn't turn up in the morning, someone's heart is going to be absolutely shattered. So we might as well turn up and be our best self and enjoy and see ourselves through the eyes of others. 
And I think you do that really well because you know what, as you say, you've got 228,000 followers or whatever. It could be very easy for you to turn around now and nearly just be like, I'll have someone run my account. I'll put up stuff where I look only look gorgeous or only healthy meals. But like I know on your account, you put up days, you're like, I had to take a week off because my mental health wasn't great. Or lads, I fell off the wagon, had a brilliant holiday, drank it every day and I'll get back on it tomorrow. Like you're being honest. You're not coming along and going, everything is perfect. And I think that is the problem with a lot of Instagram accounts. And I unfollowed so many, especially during COVID because everybody was like, my life is perfect at home. I'm have, I'm so, I'm so busy. I'm so successful during this lockdown. I was like lying there, the flake in my hand, just being like, I haven't even moved from the couch today. I know. And I, and I think that in one side, I like, I, I, I love being the truthful self and being the real self, but I can also maybe in one way understand why people do actually filter because sometimes when you're very vulnerable, that's when like mm. people come out of the woodwork and they're like, oh, brilliant. You're not, you know, you're not what I see online. So I'm going to tell you all. And I'm like, oh, this is I'm oh, like, just keep on going. But I think that I love, I love the freedom that I have of being who I am. Social transformation is exactly who my family know, who my friends are. I'm, I'm, I'm me. And I'm not unapologetic. Yes, I will struggle and, like, if these are to stay close to the truth, and I think that a lot of times you might get someone going, well, you filter because you look different and, you know, it's just a good photo of you. And I'm like, but I'm only going to put up a photo where I'm like, the phone is underneath my chin and I'm staring down and being like, look how real I am. Because I find that very toxic. I'm like, ah, nobody was on. So you're going to take your best angle, your best pictures. But when it, I feel like the majority of the time, like, I like if I feel good in the photo, I'm gonna throw it up. And in the same breath, if I'm inside the gym, the stomach is bouncing, the boobs are jumping, I have a sweat coming down my face, and I have a head like thunder. Well, that's my reality as well. So I think that, but I do think Instagram is moving towards it. I think that, you know, I think also the user is getting more aware of going, I have the power to unfollow. I can just remove this mm. idealism of perfection away from my feed. So I'm not lying here in bed being like, I am pathetic. You know, you can follow who you want to follow. And I think that we socialize more online than we've ever done in the best. Mm. So you need to take responsibility and control over your feed and go, this makes me feel normal. This makes me feel good about myself. This makes me giggle. If you want to follow um, a whole Instagram feed on micro pigs or puppies, do that. <laughs> we have fine. control. <laughs> we don't need to follow people who have followers. And I, this is coming from someone with a following. What I'm trying to say is, if it makes you feel bad about yourself, cut it. Life is too short. And I would definitely now have invested in the block button or the mute button, where if you know you still want to follow someone, but right at this time, it's just not good for your head. Mute, block, hide the Instagram app for your phone for a week, whatever it is. But like before then, we would have felt guilty about muting or blocking someone. Now I'm like, do you know what? My head needs to be in the space for this. And people understand. So people like this pages that I adore, but sometimes I find it too triggering. I'm like, oh, I can't. I can't. I'm not in that. It's the same when you listen to a podcast. You're not going to, if you're in really bad form and you haven't been to the gym in four weeks and you hate your runners, you're not going to listen to a motivational, you know, get out that door and smash that dick. You're like, get away from me. You're yeah. probably going to listen to something that kind of cheer you up. So don't be afraid to mute, don't follow. Um, because it's always, it's you're, you're in control of your happiness and boundaries and person. You have to look after yourself. Like even when it comes to podcasts, I haven't done one in a long time. I had to say no because I was burnt out. Yeah. But that isn't on the person asking me to do the podcast and me being like, oh, I'll fluster and I must say yes. And I just ease the peace. 
You know, it's all about just sitting about and going, not in the space right now. We've been through a pandemic. Everybody's coming out of it all flustered and shaking off cobwebs and just give yourself a chance. Saying no is sometimes the most freeing thing you can ever do in your entire life. Oh, I completely agree. And then it means that the stuff they say yes to is the stuff that you're really passionate about. Like I know you're doing Taste of Dublin, which is huge. So excited. So I'm actually doing a demo and I have my company on it. So I'll be selling my Sharp by Trisha Lewis Lives. So that's another thing I've added onto the belt. I have, um, I, I own my own company. I'm an entrepreneur. So I launched my own set of knives um, to do with kitchens. So they're like these lightweight, serrated, 11 centimeter, beautiful two-toned knife session, a beautiful gift box. And I'm so proud because they are, they're going all over the country. They're like, loads of households have them and feedback is huge. So I'm going to taste of Dublin. I'll be there for the whole weekend. Um, I'm doing two cooking demos, one on the Friday night, one on the Saturday morning. And I can't wait. And I'm really excited about trying. You know, I think that someone asked me earlier, what's what's so appealing about the taste of Dublin? And I'm like, it's the atmosphere. It's the people coming together. It's the, you know, when you think about it, you might be a bad cook or you might hate cooking, but going to this event, you feel part of something. You're sitting down with your friends and you're trying different foods and you're listening to music and you might be having a glass of something and you go to a demo. But like, it's just, I can't wait. And to be asked to do it is so surreal because, you know, these are things I, as a chef for years, I would have seen on media. And I'm like, oh my God, these like, like Rory O'Connell, Jordan Bailey, JP, Erica, they're all there. And I'm like, these are people I admire and yeah. I'm part of them. It's so surreal. Well, I'd say all your friends who are listening there are going to be delighted to know you're going. I have and to say, Chris, you're such a, I always say to you, you're such an inspiring person. And it's always lovely to talk to you because you always make me feel like I'm like, yeah, I can kick ass. You can, we can, we can do what we want to do. Yes. So give yourself permission to tell you what you want to do. That's it. Don't be looking for anyone else's approval. You know, at the end of the day, like what was said to me at the start, at first they might laugh and mock, but at the end they'll ask you how you did it. Exactly. And that's the best thing ever. That's the best advice for anyone. Just when you're thinking about what other people are thinking about you, in two years time, they're going to want to know, how did you do that? How did you change your life? So that's unreal. But um, this is, I've loved talking to you. Thank you so much um, for chatting to me today especially because I know you're not doing podcasts at the moment so I really appreciate it you're so kind no I love this and I like literally I'm looking forward to listening to all like I've been like just looking for new podcasts and I love that 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 this style one is out there because I don't think we talk enough about careers and how to push yourself and things going wrong and stuff so thank you for such a wonderful podcast thank you so much goodbye my love thank bye, you I'll talk to you soon Slam. bye bye That was the fabulously fantastic, very motivating Trisha Lewis there, a.k.a. Trisha's Transformation. And as you heard there, she's such a lovely person. She's so motivating. She's such a good crack. And she's definitely one to follow if you don't already. So go follow on Instagram. As we mentioned, she is going to be at Taste of Dublin, which is in Dublin's Ivy Gardens, the 16th to the 19th of June. And you're going to get summer food, culture, drinks. There's going to be a mix of Irish chefs, food innovators, Loads of cultural kind of ex- food experiences. Uh, tickets are obviously on sale at tasteum.ie, so go and get them. They're always selling it really quickly. So if you if you didn't realize it was on, I'm telling you to go and do it now. Don't blame me if they're all got already gone. And you, if you're there, you might get to see Trisha herself. So go and see her in action. There's loads of other people there that are going to be there. So enjoy if you do. Go. 
Thank you so much for listening today. If this is your first time ever coming and listening to the Tis Yourself podcast, it means a lot to me that you came by and obviously it means a lot to Trisha because, you know, you're showing her support as well. Um, do follow us on Instagram, Twitter. You'll find me on Instagram and Twitter myself, personally, Nicola Barton. Also, we're on wherever you're listening. If you can, leave a rate or review. Really would love that. But anyway, more importantly, go and look after yourselves this weekend. Enjoy the good weather. If you're listening to this and it's during the week and you're like, ugh, Stop talking about the bank holiday. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. That's why I say listen on a Saturday. No, any messing. Uh, I hope you had a great weekend. And I will chat to you next week. Very exciting couple of guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. So please do stay tuned. Please subscribe so you get to see who comes along. But anyway, go look after yourselves and I'll talk to you soon. Slong a fall.